Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to Yoga Journeys, a podcast focused on sharing and celebrating inspiring stories of transformation through the practice of yoga. I am your host, Katherine Kennedy. This podcast came about after having experienced my own transformation, growth, and healing through my yoga practice. I wanted to share these life-changing tools with others, so I became a yoga teacher after several years of training. Throughout my years of teaching and practicing, I've talked with many other practitioners and teachers and have heard so many of the same stories over and over again and wanted to create this platform for sharing those stories. Today's guest is Amy Shepard, a yoga instructor based in Maine who works not only with adults but also with kids at an after-school program. She is devoted to bringing yoga to those who need it most. Thank you so much again, Amy, for sharing your story today with Yoga Journeys. I'd like to jump in with the first question. How did you get into yoga in the first place? I started taking yoga classes when I was probably in high school. My sister, who's two and a half years older than me, kind of had started taking some classes and I started going with her at just a local a local gym that we had. And the instructor that we had at the time, actually, interestingly enough, ended up becoming my one of my yoga instructors for my 200-hour training and even now my 300-hour training. So it started in high school, continued on in college a little bit, and it was just kind of a here and there. I was a really active person, very much into fitness and moving my body. And so yoga was just kind of a natural progression of stretching my muscles and kind of trying something new. And so then it wasn't until kind of my adult years when I came to it kind of for a different purpose, not just to, to exercise, but to get more mindfulness and calmness and meditation out of it. After graduating from college and joining the workforce and kind of needing something to to slow me down a little bit. So still getting that active piece, but also getting the the calming benefits as well and really falling in love with Shavasana at the end of class. Yeah, I think we all fall in love with Shavasana. Mm -hmm. Wish it was always just a little bit longer. So what made you take the leap into yoga teacher training? So my cousin Jessica, at some point, I can't remember when, but she went through yoga teacher training and she really focused on the children's yoga aspect of things. And just hearing her story and what she shared with me about her journey and her teaching and all that, it really inspired me. For years, I'd been thinking about taking the children's teacher training course, but I hadn't taken the 200-hour training to really be a certified teacher. So I'd been thinking about it for at least two, if not three years, just kind of on the back burner. I can't afford it. I can't find the time to do the training. I can't this. I can't that. Just coming up with every excuse to just not, not take the leap. And then I went through... A rough patch with getting a divorce from my husband, having a small child at the time of that all happening. My dad 
got sick with cancer and it was a very rare form of stomach cancer, which was really difficult to watch him be so sick and try to still be so strong for all of us. And then in January of 2017, he passed away and it was a really difficult time. And I just remember it must have been somewhere that winter into early spring I was at work, you know, still in the grieving process of everything. And across my computer screen comes yoga teacher training, the, the advertisement for it, and only two spots left or something like that. And I just remember thinking, I need to do something for me. I need to do something to help my healing process, my growth process. I just really needed to do something for me. And without thinking about it, without being concerned about all of the excuses I had always put in front of myself when thinking about it, I just filled out the application and signed up and was just going to figure out all the details after. And so I got accepted and just figured it out. And so with the 200-hour training, it started in May, and it was one weekend a month, every month until October. And so in the weekend consisting of four days, all day, you know, each of those four days. So I'd have to figure out work and childcare and how I was going to pay for it. And, but I just, I told myself I was doing it for me. And I remember the first morning driving to class and it was just such a huge emotional release for me because I remember driving in and thinking, I have not done something like this for myself in, in so many years because I just gave everything that I had to my family and just had not only made every excuse not to do this training or other things, but just made every excuse to give everything to everyone else. And so it was really a turning point for me to not still give myself to my family and fulfill my obligations, but really realize that I needed to take time for my growth and for my healing to be the best person that I can be for not only myself, but for my family and for my daughter. And then continuing on through the training and the teachings and what I learned, it was, it was truly transformational. And I went into it not really knowing if I was going to be a yoga teacher, just knowing that I really wanted to learn the, the teachings and go through this training and really deepen my, my yoga experience and spirituality and all of that. And I certainly got all of that out of it and so much more and, and going through it, I knew I wanted to share it with people. And so it, it really instilled that I did want to teach and share it with others. So it was, it was such a wonderful experience that really started out from a dark place and going through a really, a really rough time. And it turned into something really wonderful and, and helped me get through that time and come out on the other side, you know, a brighter light and helping, helping share that light with others. 
Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm so sorry to hear about your father's illness and passing. Thank you. The thread that I want to kind of pick back up on that you mentioned, the idea of self-care and how our society really kind of prides itself on the busy, <laughs> the busyness mm. fa- factor. And, and also just, you know, continuously giving to others, but when your own cup is empty, how, you know, that really translate into not being able to be able to be there for other people in a way that is most meaningful to them. And I think that in terms of self-care, you know, so many people because of this busyness factor in our culture of constantly doing instead of being, it ends up becoming this idea that you're selfish if you take care of yourself. And in reality, it's actually more selfish to not take care of yourself, you know, and it's, it's kind of like that play on words, like you're, you're really not being selfish, because taking care of yourself, you're actually taking care of your relationships with others, you know, as you were talking about it. And it makes so much sense. But I think, like I said, I think our, our culture kind of distorts that idea of, of self-care being selfish and that our, our attention is always so outwardly focused and taking care of others. But if we can't, if we're not taking care of ourselves, then we can't effectively take care of others. I, I totally agree and have absolutely found in myself that when I was going through the hard times, I can definitely be one to be very anxious and have a lot of anxiety in my body. And it's something that as a kid or as a young adult, maybe I had that tendency, maybe I didn't, I don't really recall, but all I know is that once I was an adult and certainly had that anxiety full force, I didn't, I didn't have the tools that I needed to help myself with that and didn't have the tools I needed to know what I needed on my healing journey or what would help or how to calm my mind when I have just these racing thoughts going through my brain or, you know, we do live in such such a society and such a culture that is so multitasking all the time, whether it be at work or at home or when we're juggling between work and kids and, you know, getting the dog to the vet or whatever it may be, just having to juggle so many things all at one time. And I know I meet so many people that when I tell them about calming their mind or mindfulness or, you know, Shavasana at the end of yoga practice, they just look at me with, you know, the deer in the headlights of, they're almost scared of, I, I couldn't do that. I can't calm my mind. I can't, I always have so many thoughts racing through my brain that I, I couldn't stop them and tell them, yes, you can, but it's a lot of work, you know, and sometimes, you know, people don't grasp that piece of yoga of the mindfulness and calming your mind and calming your thoughts, which can almost in some ways be more of an exercise than working your body and working your muscles. But it's so important to take that time to slow down and that going through that process, like you said, of self-care and finding out what really helps me and has helped me through difficult times and helped ground me or anchor me being able to share that with other people, which might work for someone else and might not, but just to be able to, 
to have that offering to people so that they can at least try something or in the yoga classes that I teach just for an hour, really just trying to get people to leave their stresses and responsibilities and tensions at the door just for an hour, just, you know, put that to do list away, try to calm your mind of, you know, your project that you're working on at work or rushing the kids around throughout the day and just focus on you. And you can tell sometimes they're able to, and sometimes they're not, but when they're able to, when they get up and when they're leaving class, their shoulders aren't up by their ears and they're taking deeper breaths and they just have this more relaxed, at ease look on their face. And I just really love sharing that with other people. You're truly introducing people to a new way of being. And I think that's really hard for people to just stop because it's that unease of having to sit with yourself for an extended amount of time. It's like a, it is a lot of work, but it's a lot of work of doing nothing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. training yourself to do nothing. One of the posters that's been going around on social media said something like taking the time to do this gives you back more time. And it's so true. I, you know, I, I do a lot of work obviously with technology and I'm connected most of the time and I've had to really put limits on the amount of time that I spend with my technology because I work from home. So it's easy to do always connecting, always being on it and to set those boundaries is also part of your self-care. Taking the time, like you said, to, to be with yourself and sit with your thoughts. And sometimes they're not good thoughts or they just don't feel good. They're hard to get through. They're sad. They're, they're grieving or they're angry about a certain thing. And so it's so much easier to just book your schedule full and be focused on everything externally and not have to deal with what's going on internally. And I certainly know that when I'm having a hard time or dealing with my anxiety or having a hard time working through something, that's definitely when I will book my schedule just nonstop so that I'm just running, running, running. And, you know, it can be community service or helping with my daughter's school or whatnot, doing fundraisers. So it's good things. And so it's fulfilling, but it's also not helping me really work through potentially some things that I need to work through. And so I really, I really try to share with people to take time for themselves, to sit and take a bath at the end of the day, or to go for a walk in the morning, be out in nature, which I know for me has been a huge, a huge helper, just being out in nature and breathing the fresh air, being amongst trees and just feeling the natural beauty around us, trying to take that time. And I know some of my friends are single parents like I've been, and it can be really difficult to find that time away from work or away from your children or from, you know, when my dad was sick, helping my family get through that. It can be really difficult to take that time for yourself. And sometimes you even feel a little guilty, like, oh, I need to find somebody to watch my child while I just 
take this moment to do whatever it may be, go for a walk or go for a run. But it's those moments, like you had said earlier, that help you be a better person to share with those people. If you just keep running yourself ragged and not dealing with what's going on internally and truly, truly healing and truly growing, then you're just going to keep going and get busier and busier, not wanting to deal with what's going on inside. So I guess the one thing that I I do try to instill in people is to take that time for self-care. And I've taught a mom and baby class doing yoga. And sometimes these moms come in and, you know, sometimes they're already single parents when their baby is born. And I, you know, telling me I can't get away from my baby. I don't have a moment. I don't, I can't do this. They're just about at their breaking point every time they come into yoga. And, and I just share with them, you know, while your child's asleep at any point during the day, try to just enjoy a cup of tea and just sit there and just really try to take in the moment, not be thinking about what's going to happen when the baby wakes up or what's going to happen when you go to the grocery store or what you're going to have to deal with. Even if it's just five minutes sitting for five minutes with your cup of tea or cup of coffee and just being present in that moment and just taking a moment for yourself. Um, So I try to, that's the one thing I guess I must say I try to instill in people is to take that time for themselves. It's so very important, especially with new mothers and having it come from someone who has experienced it yourself. It's so important to just be heard as, as a new mother and also to be able to share those stories and know that you're not alone in that journey. I think that's so important. And for you to share it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm sure that they are greatly appreciative of that, of having you in their lives. Well, it, it always makes me feel wonderful to see some of them come in with just this tension or whatever it may be. And for an hour, just be able to focus on themselves and their babies are with them. And sometimes I get my baby snuggles and hold when one of them is crying to give mom a break or hold a pose or get a stretch or something like that, which feels really good. And just having that community, I guess, would be the other part I was going to mention about, you know, what I share with people. With technology, like you were saying, I think we all have the tendency to sometimes be connected, but we're also disconnected. And so when we really take the time to find a community, such as a yoga class, or even just getting together with a friend and having coffee and just sharing and venting and just listening to one another. It's so powerful. And I've found in some of my yoga classes that sometimes the community, the chatting at the beginning of class or the chatting of end of class for some of the students is just as powerful as the yoga practice and, you know, the mindfulness practice because they're lonely or they need somebody to talk to. And just seeing these same people each week that come together for the practice of yoga can be really powerful. And whether it be, you know, moms or single parents or adults or working people, we all need that community as well. So taking that time for us, finding our people, finding our tribe that aren't judgmental and just really are there to support, even if we're not looking to share, but just knowing that you have 
someone to support you or a community behind you can also be really powerful, I think. I was just telling my husband this morning that I have been, I do my own personal practice at home and I was thinking I might actually join in on a yoga class on a regular basis (laughs) just to establish reestablish that community again and get connected again because it is especially working at home it's so easy to just get into your groove of things but then like you said just especially with all the technology that I am into that you can get disconnected really easily so I totally appreciate and totally live (laughs) what you're talking about so Mm -hmm. thank you thank you for sharing that so the other thread that I would love for you to talk more about is how your practice and how your experiences also translate in your work with kids in schools. Yeah. So working with kids in school has been very eye-opening, very beneficial, very powerful So I mostly do after-school programs. So I'm not touching a whole demographic inside the schools. It's kids that are able to come to the after-school program. Their parents sign them up. It works in their schedule. But it's amazing to see some of the kids that, that come into the class. And you can tell already kind of heads anxious tendencies about them or some of the kids that might be rather active and you can tell that they kind of get in trouble for it. And I had one little girl one time and she was just all over the class, all over the mat. Couldn't really calm down. And I remember, I remember telling her, I'm like, you know, it's time to sit down. It's time to calm down. And she looked right at me and she's like, I can't, I can't sit down. I can't calm down. And so it was our work throughout you know, this session of the class of helping her calm down or finding ways or practices of calming her down. There's one exercise in particular called ragdoll that I normally do at the end of class because shavasana or just, you know, a relaxed non-moving pose for children is pretty much like torture. So I don't, (laughs) but we kind of do it as a game called ragdoll where at the end of class, normally I'll read a story, but I get them to lay down. If they want to close their eyes, they can. They don't have to. Just getting comfortable on their mats. Some kids just can't stop moving. They're just kind of continually moving their bodies. Some kids do when they listen to the story. Some kids, it's not comfortable to lay down. That's just not, they don't feel comfortable, so they sit up and listen to the story. But I kind of try to bring them down at the end of class, like a normal, you know, at the end of yoga class, shavasana. And then once I'm done reading the story, they say, okay, I'm going to come around and check your rag doll. So they try to have their body as relaxed as possible. And I'll pick up their legs and move them from side to side to see how relaxed they are. And kids absolutely love it. It allows them kind of like a game, to, but to really relax their body and to see what that feels like. And sometimes I'll, I'll tell them like, So let's listen and see if we can hear sounds outside the room or see if we can hear sounds inside the room. How about, can you hear any sounds inside your body? And it just gives them a moment to kind of forget about any thoughts they might have or if they have homework or video games that they're going to play. Because I think 
we live in such a fast-paced world as adults, but I think sometimes we forget that our kids do too, that it just is a lot faster paced than when I was a kid or when my parents were kids or when my grandparents were kids. And I don't feel like we're giving kids the tools that they need to deal with that. I think as adults, we're just, we're adults and we just have to deal with it because we have to put food on the table and work to make money. And, you know, we just have to do this. But for kids, I think sometimes we fill their schedule so full and they have so much going on with friends and them having to wade through the technology piece, sometimes with a lot of support and sometimes with not a lot of support. And kids, you know, if they're not being educated properly, they're not going to make the right decisions because they just don't know. And so I I just see kids kind of coming in sometimes and it feels like they're living in such a fast-paced world and they don't know how to deal with it. And sometimes I feel like one hour of yoga a week for them for a six or eight week, week session just isn't enough. And I know that in some schools they are doing yoga or they are doing mindfulness practices, which is great and amazing. And I just think they're there needs to be more of that kind of widespread to help kids deal with, with bullies or to help kids deal with when they feel overwhelmed or when their schedule is just too full to help with all of that. And sometimes teaching the kids the breathing practices of just calming down and taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. I've taught my daughter that. And I know sometimes when she gets all worked up or, you know, something she'll I can do this and take a deep breath in and take a deep breath out. And it's, it's neat to see her do that because she knows that that calms her down wherever she's at. And so I love sharing that with kids. I wish I could share it with more kids and continue to do so. And I, I wish there was more, more emphasis and focus put on that in the education system, as well as what they're learning academically, because in our world, and our climate, it's not going to slow down any. It's only going to go faster and faster, and we're only going to be more connected and more plugged in. And so for kids, finding a way to, to focus them and calm them down and really help them find that community, I think is so important. I 100% agree. And I think, too, the idea of giving them that tool, like the process of just taking a moment to take a deep breath, and calming yourself is so important, giving them the tools and the strategies that they need that they can just tap into at any time. And I think one of the the movements that I'm most excited to see, and it started a while ago, but I think it's it's definitely ramping up more and more as the social emotional learning. And I think that With that, I think more and more schools will get into mindfulness and meditation and yoga and other modalities, but it takes time. Like everything else in education, it takes a lot of time to kind of move that needle um, and make a difference, you know, Um, but it, but we're, we're building, I feel like we're building an army of yoga (laughs) teachers. So (laughs) I think this is a good, a good sign. And I think bringing that to the educators who work with them on a daily basis is, is also empowering them to be change agents within their own learning environment. 
I'm also interested in knowing if someone came to you and had never done yoga before, what are some of the things that you would tell them about yoga? So when people talk to me about yoga, I get so many people that will say, I'm not flexible, so I can't do yoga. And my classes have always been geared towards just being very gentle, being full of props to make the poses accessible for people, to be full of variations to make the poses accessible to people. And I really try to relay to people that, yes, there's certainly certainly a physical piece that's beneficial for our bodies and our muscles and, and our lungs with the breathing practices, but to really just take the time to find that mindfulness or to find that peace in your body. Um, I also find so many people are uncomfortable with their body that, you know, the thought of moving it in certain positions or what they see on social media platforms or on TV is just so unobtainable for them an impossible thought that I could never do that. And fortunately, unfortunately, I found that when I do social media posts with different yoga poses, the attention and awareness always goes to the difficult yoga poses that, you know, I have in my own yoga practice, but I certainly don't put those difficult poses in a lot of my general public classes because they're, they're not for every, everybody. But I really tried to, to stress just trying a class out. But then kind of on the flip side of that, not just trying one class out because I'm sure you've seen every single yoga teacher has a different style, has a different way they teach their class, has a different focus in their class. And just because you might not resonate with one teacher does not mean that if you try a different class out that you might not absolutely fall in love with it and absolutely look forward to the community of people that go to that particular class. So kind of just like anything, when you're trying out a gym or trying out out different things, just having an open mind and just kind of at least trying it, putting your foot in the door, seeing how a class goes. And I hope when people go to classes, I know in mine, I really, really stress variations and making alterations to the poses to really make them comfortable for the people coming to class. And I really hope that, you know, other gentle yoga teachers are doing the same so that people don't get put off or don't get worried and stressed that their pose doesn't look like the person next to them on the mat. I think we also live in such a competitive society that sometimes it's so hard to focus on our own mat and what's happening in our own body and not worrying about what's happening on the mat next to us or on the other side or behind us, that our practice, our body is going to look different than anyone else. So for someone that's interested in it, I really try to just share with them, hey, there's this yoga studio, there's this yoga teacher, try it out here or you know, try a private class or whatever it may be. Try something online, see if something resonates with you or so you can at least get comfortable with what some of the poses are called or how to move your body in that way or just just sitting and being with your thoughts and, you know, being mindful and working on that aspect of yoga. So I really try to emphasize just just trying it because I feel like so many people have this 
impression in their mind of what yoga is. But I also feel like, like you said, there's a lot of yoga teachers everywhere. And I think we are sending that message and getting that out there. And I think more and more people are trying it and are enjoying it and are showing up each week to get the benefits of the practice and bringing friends with them and expanding, expanding the yoga practice, which is so great all around and truly beneficial for people's bodies, minds, spirits. And, you know, going back to the kids piece, if we, if we teach kids how to deal with kind of what they're going through now or giving them another tool, some kids might really gravitate towards yoga. Some kids might not, but when they're going through that stressful testing period or, you know, have stage fright going up on stage for the dance recital, they might pull back in their, in their toolbox, the, the breathing practices, or, you know, so many of the stretches that we do are so similar to, you know, athletic stretches, just called something a little different or dancing stretches. So just continually growing this community of teachers and students to to benefit our communities in general and to kind of keep that going. I greatly appreciate you taking the time this morning to share your story. And if there's ever anything that you'd like to share in the future, as you continue your journey, please do reach back out and come back to share. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to today's episode of yoga journeys inspiring stories of transformation, growth, and healing. We'll have another episode ready for you soon, but until then, I hope you have a wonderful day. 